My name's Christopher Maynard, and in 1977, when I wrote this book for Osborne, World of the Unknown Ghosts, little did I know it would become such a massive influence on the zillions of children who read it. When writing this book, I investigated many houses and villages, including the most haunted village in the UK. Did I see any ghosts? More to the point, did they see me? Due to overwhelming public demand, Osborne are resurrecting my book, World of the Unknown Ghosts, with a foreword written by my favorite actor, Reese Shearsmith. Now it's time for a new generation of children to be thrilled and chilled. Hey, have you not finished looking around it yet? I need to lock up. Listening to the Mystic Menagerie Podcast, your regular descent into the world of alternative entertainment, art, and culture. Bolt the door, light the fire, and pour yourself a glass of Virgin Rouge, and let your hosts, Dan Baines and Lord Freddie Valentine, guide you through the stygian depths of your darkest delights. Warning. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to the Mystic Menagerie, episode two of our new one-hour specials. I'm your host, Dan Baines, and I'm joined by my co-host... Freddie Valentine. How's it going, Freddie? Yeah, very good, thanks. We're both all locked down at the moment, so Still. Yeah, finding ways to amuse ourselves, you know. But I think people like me, you always find books to read or things to watch, so we don't get bored, do we, really, Dan? We don't. I say, I think we said previously on the other podcast that living in isolation is pretty bog standard for us because we're self-employed and we're the type of people who are best left alone yes definitely recluses uh, you know i mean the sort of, the sort of like, like the wizard in, in, a, in a cave creating potions left to let me do my work in peace from the rest of the world that's what we're doing it is it is kind of i wouldn't say it's grinding me down but i am definitely fatter and hairier than i was when we did the last show i think everyone's going to come out of it looking i don't know if you saw the recent red dwarf right but the Crichton. i didn't know robots could have pot bellies right? and i think everyone's gonna look like Crichton did it now when they come out of isolation do you know what i mean we'll be yeah i think the pro- the problem is and the you know when it's normal you know when the lockdown isn't on i find keeping very keeping fit and looking after myself quite easy because i can get out and i'm quite active i'm in and out of the studio i'm picking the kids up from school i'm running around doing stuff now i'm not doing any of that running around and even though we've got like a sort of a mini gym at home you know i can go in that gym and i can burn off 800 calories but that is just the normal amount of calories i'd normally burn if i was just pottering around the house when i'm not in lockdown so i feel like i'm training lots but still getting increasingly fatter because there's not much else to do other than sit in the house and read i've also started drinking a lot more as well i'm sort of hitting the hitting the beers every day oh uh, yeah i'm eating a lot more i'm eating a lot more i'm tempted to drink a lot more i'm tempted to become like an oliver reed you know what i mean but then you know i've got chat shows to do that really do you know what i mean and uh, to, to, to that level of drunk and i mean if, if that's the drunk to aspire to is oliver reed if i was drinking a lot i'd look at that that's what i want to be like but i think i'm eating a lot more 
you know. But obviously, the thing is, having leukemia, I don't put weight on so much. That's so quite handy, really. That is um, handy. I'll have a pot, one of the benefits. Belly, it's definitely one of the benefits. <laughs> I'll have a pot belly, but I'll, ne- I'll never be, I don't know, Pavarotti, um, you know, or um, Vanessa Feltz, you know what I mean, for example. But, uh, but yeah, I think we're eating a lot more in lock- lockdown because you get bored, everyone's together. Families like to eat and watch telly together, don't they, really? You know, and that's what people tend to do. It could also be, going back to our conspiracy theories, another facet of the conspiracy theories. What, you know, coronavirus is actually getting rid of, obviously, older people and the more sort of susceptible to illness. But those who can't get it or are hiding away from it, maybe the government's idea is just to keep them locked away so they get fat and unhealthy and then die of heart attacks. <laughs> So the kind of, way, it's yeah. like a double-edged sword. If you don't get COVID-19, then you're just going to become obese and get heart disease or diabetes and die of that instead. Now, so. mate, it's a big, big social, big cull, isn't it? But if we all took out of isolation, we're all about you know 30 stone. It's going to be hard to 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 to, to uh, social distance from people because there's not much space, is there? Do you know what I mean? We're all big, like yeah. weebles. Yeah, it is. It's it's tough times. Um, thankfully, the weather's been okay. So I've been, you know, I have been out and about. I live sort of out in the sticks. So I can go for a, a nice you know six mile walk and take advantage of the views and the fresh air so i'm not complaining about that but it's just yeah we need things to start moving again i think definitely i miss going out i like to go nature walks you know what i mean and going out to 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 places where there's animals not naturist walks not not naturist (laughs) walks. no i got arrested last time i did that you know what i mean because that was a new shopping center joshua Uh, fiddler's um campsite (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, well, that's a pan. That'd be a pan. That pan. But yes, I do like going out to sort of dark, like tranquil places. You know, what I, mean? I like spiritual places. You know, places like going to Cornwall and Devon and places like that. And I can't go there. I feel frustrated. I can't go to the Isle of Wight. I think that's the thing that's bugging me the most. I can't get on that ferry and go over there. Yeah, you know, that's that's the thing that's frustrating me the most. Because all I, I don't mind being at home. I do like to now and then go somewhere. Mm. Uh, and go out and enjoy myself. The 80s festival that we go to uh, has been cancelled. It's postponed until September, and I thought it's not going to be much. The weather might not be that great, you know. They're postponing gigs and they're cancelling things. That's a bit. That's a bit weird. I find. Do you know what I mean? That's a bit frustrating. Yeah, we were meant to go to the Isle of Wight as well in June. Um, we got a, a little holiday place that we rent out every year, and it's you know it's beautiful. Overlooks Portsmouth, which is handy because my son is also at Portsmouth Uni, so he just hops on the hovercraft and comes over. But we've had to cancel that again, which is a, which is a big shame because the Isle of White is you know as most listeners will know is one of our favorite places and it kind of leads us on to what the show today is going to be about doesn't it freddie definitely yeah i mean there's a connection i mean all it does i mean i think anybody who has a kid would have some degree of supernatural interest because it had it all that it was still got it all it's got it's got ghosts it's got dinosaurs it's got roman ruins um so you go there you're going to be you know particularly in a certain age and certain era like we grew up in the 70s so we are going to be affected by that quite strongly and this is very much connected all the all ties everything ties in it does. I think, I think the main link is I used to go on holiday to Shanklin every year and there was it's probably still there. There was a, a small bookshop which sold all sorts of, you know, everything from cookbooks to, you know, sort of love novels for the mums. But there was a paranormal and sort of supernatural section, an occult section. And I always used to, every year I used to go and buy a book from the occult section. And I remember one year I bought the, uh, the World of the Unknown, All About Ghosts, the Usborne Book of Ghosts. Uh, uh, which is probably one of the most well-known and influential 
paranormal books for children there's ever been I would I would say and it's recently uh, been re-released hasn't it Freddie that's right with an introduction by, by the great Mr. Reese Shearsmith as well and it's, it was I think it's a, it's a classic book because there was a series of those books that came out Osborne were known for doing factual books you know so they're all about kings and queens dinosaurs stone age or whatever so they were, they were factual things so the fact these books were slotted in that range rather than a, a, fiction, a fiction section almost gave credence to the fact that these things are real so if you bought a book about ghosts and it was an Osborne one it was like a school textbook really wasn't it it was like something you'd read in, in that way you know there was a monsters one I think they did as well and um, and was, was it vampires there's a few few they did as Osborne ones like that um, but they, yeah, they were they were they were marketed as marketed as factual books, weren't they? I think every school library actually had had a copy of the Osborne Book of Ghosts. I remember getting it out myself, and it was it was always you know it was it was so worn, it was like falling apart because so many children had had it out. It was one of those books that you had to get on a waiting list to get from the library, and they must have got through so many copies of it. I mean. I think looking back, um, I was looking at an interview um, with Osborne Books before the, the campaign to get it re-released. And in the first year of it being released, they printed 30,000 copies of the book. And it stayed in print for 20 years. I didn't know, I didn't know that that long. So it was, I mean, it was, it, yeah, retired in, they retired the book in the early 90s. So I suppose that's when the interest kind of waned a little bit. But yeah, 30,000 copies in the first year and it stayed in print for 20 years. So just think how many copies are floating around still out there loads of, I mean every, I think everyone knew of it because it was it, it did have photographs in it it was, it was very good illustrations in there I mean the artwork in it is, is superb um, but it had all facts and places and names of people it was all stuff that was it, it, it looked kosher you know that, that's that's what part of it. it's fascinating I think it's like looking at books at school it's all about boring stuff I suppose you know like civil war or whatever or you know um, industrial revolution and then there's this book in the school library about ghosts and because every kid's going to think fantastic because in the 70s everyone was into things like hammer horror um, and those kind of things Things, you know, and horror comics you know, there's a lot of these tales of the crypt and that kind of stuff so to have a book in the school library to say look it's not made up it's real everyone would not get their hands on that you know what I mean every kid there's two books in our school library which were worn out there's that one there was a scratch and sniff book um, <laughs> everyone, everyone have a, never seen it before in those days like an ice cream sniff after about yeah. a year of use lost it all great yeah we were scratching really hard trying to get some scent out of it and, but that and the ghost ones were the two most worn books there I mean also the ghost ones I think because we were so fascinated by it your parents would say as a kid that's ah, all made up you'd watch a Hammer film and say dad is there, is there really vampires no it's all nonsense it's all made up and then this book came out and said no nah, it's true and it's in a school library so you can say there you go there you go dad look it's true it's in that book it's in a school library it's a fact I think that's what made it so popular it was the fact that you know, it had so many good illustrations in there so combined with the text you've got a really good visualization of you know what a haunted house looks like or how the ghosts look you know like the black shook with the dog with one eye bounding over a fence you know the, yeah. the visuals were fantastic and it gave an element of fear and it scared children i think the problem is nowadays that adults uh, not talking from my perspective as a parent because i expose my children to lots of scary things all the time because that's just you know the type of house we live in but yeah you know you go to i'll go to like a children's party and there's like 10 year old kids there who've never been allowed to watch harry potter because they think the parents think it's too scary i remember one party where i went to and one of the parents said they thought scooby-doo was unsuitable for under 10 year olds and i was like what how is that child going to grow up they're going to be scared of anything <laughs> you know when they when they eventually come face to face with i don't know something that's not particularly scary like harry potter they're going to be 
terrified. Exactly. I mean, I, I was allowed to watch things, probably maybe as you were, when I was a kid, I had a fascination with this sort of stuff, because in the 70s, um, horror and Dracula and all that, that was quite a mainstream um, pop culture phenomenon. Uh, like today, it's superheroes. Every kid's into superheroes. Um, so in the 70s, it's all Dracula, Frankenstein, is everywhere. You Tells know, the unexpected. Exactly, um, yeah. BBC was, ghost stories there was always lots of those you know there was always a BBC Christmas ghost story there was always Tales of the Unexpected yes. and there's lots of like Tales of the Unexpected type shows as well that was not spin-offs but in the same vein um, I suppose if you're in America you had the Twilight Zone as well but you know, very necessarily all to do with the occult and scary but they they were edgy they had a kind of they stimulated the imagination and you know sometimes got the fear going in you as well which is I think is the thing that children are missing nowadays they're just not don't seem to be exposed to anything that is it could make them anxious anything makes everybody anxious and they need to then sort their heads out and go for some well-being treatment or something from watching Nightmare on Elm Street it just it's a, it's a world gone crazy but these books I mean I've been out and purchased the new version of the Usborne Book of Ghosts just because I just I didn't have my old copy anymore it will have been thrown out you know when I joined the yeah, Navy sure. and my mum will have got rid of it but I've got the brand new copy now and I've got it sitting in front of me and it's, it's not as thick as I remember it being basically I think my hands were a lot smaller but yeah. um, it's quite a thin book um, but having said that it's very thin but it is chock full of brilliant stuff he's got the the famous photograph we spoke about in one of the shows um, one of the last Mystic Menagerie shows when we did the Arthur C. Clarke's World of Strange Powers show and that is the, right, the yeah. hooded monk standing at the altar which well, I think we oh, agreed yeah. was probably one of the scariest ghost photos we've ever seen uh, and was the catalyst behind many nightmares and sleepless oh, nights sweating under your duvet thinking that this <laughs> eight foot monk with a dishcloth draped over his face is going to be stood at the end of the bed definitely worse when you went on holiday somewhere that was really old like in the other way oh, this, this house is 400 years old there's a monastery down the road and you think oh cool that monk's going to come in he do you yeah. know what I mean it would terrify you um, but yeah, as I said, it was chock full of information. I mean, I mean, I, I remember it not being that thick a book because I had some similar books. Osborne was thicker than that. Mm. Um, it, it was quite big, but it, it was the the diagrams. Were, they were very detailed, you know. They were because there wasn't photographs in it. It was very detailed, and the information was written very much not in a um, funny way or, or or even in a sort of um, a descriptive way in, in a sense of like being a story. It was like facts. Like you if you read a book about. Henry VIII, it's a Henry VIII lived here, he did this, he did, it's very much factual stuff. And this was written in the same way. It was no opinion, it's just this happened. You know, it's just, you know, th this happened at Bordy Rectory and this happened here and this ghost appeared here. It wasn't disputing it or um, analysing it, it was just saying this happened. That's, yeah. that's the, I think that's the mind blowing thing about it as a kid, it's this happened, you know. Yeah, it's written from a very factual point of view. Like looking at the section on haunted houses, it's got a little diagram of, and it's uh, titled Why Do Ghosts Pass Through Walls? And it gives you the reason why ghosts will pass through a wall due to the obviously changes in the architecture. So it gives you a floor plan of the house from, like, from 1878 and then a floor plan from 1978 and shows you how the house has changed and the route the ghost will have normally taken if it wanted to go to like the toilet or something but instead there's a wall in the way so now it parishion passes through the wall and the, yeah. that, that actual page on the haunted house it's got like a drawing of a haunted house and it gives you all of the features you could expect to find in a haunted house ranging from a piano that plays on its own it's got the old typical the chandelier that swings 
a screaming skull, um, footsteps appearing on stairs. It is actually like, it looks like a blueprint for the haunted mansion ride at Disney. In all honesty, it's um, it's incredible, isn't it? It's got everything, and also if you're stepping out into bizarre magic, it could be like you know a, a child's first book in bizarre magic because there's so many typical things that you would incorporate into a storytelling magic show especially based around you know ghosts that it could be like yeah. my first bizarre magic book it's got so many different things in there even how how to get a ghost hunting kit together so you need your temperature your notebook pieces of cotton to make sure that no one's actually hoaxing you so if the cotton snaps you know someone's been there um tape measures cameras it's got it's got everything in there and I think if you can actually get it off Amazon now it's only £7.99 and as we said before it's got a great forward by Reese uh, in there which I think he states this as being one of the most influential books he had as a child if it wasn't for this he wouldn't have come up with the stuff you know League of Gentlemen and Psychoville and Inside Number 9 yeah so we've got, we've got uh, you know, Osborne to thank, thank for, for the wonderful things that, that Reese has produced as well I mean the, the, I mean that book is, it, was, it was one of those ones that really uh, at the time you know I couldn't believe it. I'd, I'd look at it for hours you know it's not some books as kids you look at a little bit but that's a book you, you, you'd have to read it again and keep looking at it because you couldn't believe what you just read and you'd absorb this information and the Osborne they did bring out another I don't know if you have these they, they brought these miniature pocket guides as well um, and there was three of them that came out one was about vampires it is, it is um it's vamp- vampires werewolves and demons so then it had, it had vampires um and famous stories about vampires werewolves are in it it had all these different zombies everything like anything you can think of in that book and and that's even more fantastical and of course i'd watch dracula on tv and say well is there really vampires no there's not well i've got a book here that says there is you know what I mean? and, it's, and, it's, and, and then they brought one out called Haunted Houses, another one similar to the, the ghost book, but it's like a smaller pocket version, and one called Mysterious Powers. And that's all about Yuri Geller in there, of course, and stuff like that, and about um, telekinesis. The world's favourite bender. Like but, yeah, but, well, <laughs> most favourite Israeli bender of everybody. Israeli <laughs> bender. <laughs> Yeah, the biggest Israeli bender there is, Elder Yuri. And uh, he was in it, and there's all these things, different sort of powers about witchcraft and voodoo. It's all in these books. And, and um, they were, they, again, they were, they were the same level of illustrations, very colour drawings, you know, and lots of information put in there. And, and loads crammed into it. There were small books, um, but there was so much crammed into them, like the ghost books. There's a series of these. Uh, I remember being ripped off once, because I used to buy these, like yourself, I'd buy these books. And uh, I had some pocket money once, and um, I went to the bookshop. I think it might have been W.H. Smith's. Uh, when I was a kid, and they had a book there in the same range called Supernatural World. And it's a massive, big, thick book, and it had a skull on the front with these red eyes. And I thought, oh, I've got to get this. Um, and it's more expensive than the other books. They were probably about one ninety nine or something like this. This is about seven quid, which in those days, was, that's big bucks. Yeah. So I bought this book, and I got it home. I thought, can't wait to read it. And it's basically a compendium of the other three books. It all put into one. Oh, right, okay, I've yeah. Been, I've, I've, I've been out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it might have been a bit of extra stuff in there, but it's all in one big book. So I thought, I thought it was going to be more information to learn, but it was just basically three of them. Um, but it's still, I mean, if you were going to get it now, say you're going to go on eBay, uh, rather than buy the three individual books, that's the one to go for, Supernatural World, because it's all three of them in one. Um, but yeah, the, the art, artwork, and I don't know who the artist was, but it's incredible artwork, isn't it? It is. I mean, I think that what, that's one of the main things that makes this stand out from all of the other uh, paranormal books that were released in the 70s and 80s, because you did find that if you, you know, like you just said, uh, when, I'd, when I'd go to the Isle of Wight every year, I'd go and buy a paranormal book from the bookshop in Shanklin, and you'd find that uh, 90% of the stuff was just duplicated out of other books. You know, you'd always have the Crystal Skulls, you'd always have the Loch Ness Monster, you'd always have the Borley Rectory. These stories just appeared every single time in these compilations of paranormal stories, but with the, uh, the Usborne Book of Ghosts, 
it was so well illustrated you know it just didn't have one grainy photograph of an elephant's trunk sticking out of the, out of a, a lake it had really fantastic illustrations that really captured the mood of the book and you know they you know as a child you know they would scare you you'd look at them and you'd think oh blimey you know that's gonna guarantee a sleepless night for the next few few days so yeah it fires your imagination i think a lot as well that's the, the illustrations because they were so vivid um and you could picture yourself in them they weren't just like um sketchy drawings or cartoony they were very colorful very vivid very evocative you know they, they, they jumped into your imagination and they they were images that would you know some images stay in your mind don't they? if you see something something's some image because it can be a scene from a film or something like that will stay in your mind these were all very strong images that when you went to sleep they all rattle through your head like a slideshow um terrifying the life out of you in the reprint there is a section in there which i don't know if it was actually in the original uh, 1977 um, version of the Osborne Book of Ghosts and it's a section on haunted places and it's got the village with a dozen ghosts and it goes on about Pluckley in Kent and it is the only section of the book that doesn't have any of those fantastic illustrations in it's got photographs and text which would lead me to believe it's a new inclusion in the book I don't know if any any listeners would know about that maybe if Reese is listening to the show he might be able to confirm if that's if that's the case but yeah it's the only section of the book that doesn't have any of those really good drawings in it's just photographs I think it's quite recently, isn't it, that Pluckley has been classified as the most haunted village in the UK. I don't think in the 1970s, I don't think it was recognised as being that particularly no, famous for its ghosts. It wasn't. I mean, I mean, the big thing in that book, I think that what most people was the Bordy Rectory. I think because um, really hadn't heard of it before then, um, but because they, they covered it so well and it's such an amazing story that's the one that really jumped out as the most haunted place you know yeah. um, in, in the whole whole of Britain and, and because of the details it gave and the name Harry Price he sounded very official if, if someone official is involved in it you, you take it seriously if someone's like a doctor or a professor or they've got a posh name or they're a sir or something like that and, and in these books they were yeah. there were a lot of people that, that, that gave it a bit of credence I think you know it, it was very believable no, um, was. but I don't remember that section I remember it all being pictures I don't remember even being photographs in there I didn't see many photographs of ghosts until the Unexplained magazine came out because that was like a glossy mm. magazine that came out in the later 70s and that was full of photographs and yep. there drawings in it well, there was photographs were... in the original um, but oh, yeah there's a few because uh, there's a section called photographs of the dead on, under the clever fakes um, section called searching oh, for right, the truth yeah. at the back and that has got Got the perfect little introduction to bizarre magic in there it's got the um the magnetic slates for um, spirits to talk and it's got a, a wrapping hand not to be confused with a frapping hand this is <laughs> the wrapping hand and how to do a little it's got a little picture of people doing a seance as well um so there was photographs in the original um but in a strange twist of fate when i bought the reprint i was looking at it and i'd already planned a trip to pluckley with the kids because the kids have got an inset day at school and i said to them who wants to go to the most haunted village in the whole of the uk and the boys were like yeah yeah we'll go and luckily enough it's about 25 minutes drive from where oh, where i live if you go on the train it's even quicker but i decided to drive there because we wanted to go to the the local woods as well called deering woods have you ever heard of those woods uh, no i haven't they're meant to be the, what they're meant to be the most haunted woods in the whole of the uk and we went on a an autumn day so all the leaves had fallen off the tree so it had that kind of Blair Witch vibe to the whole uh, to the forest 
and one on one of the trees written in red paint was turn back now <laughs> sort of thing which Ooh. which for me i just thought oh you know great this is great but like to a a, a six and eight year old kid it's like oh my god where what are we doing but it was freezing cold and we decided to walk around these woods and there's meant to be all sorts of ghosts in there there's meant to be multiple suicides there's meant to be the ghost of an old colonel who walks around who actually hung himself in the woods but there is a story there which is actually a hoax which is the deering wood massacre and i think this kind of popped up on creepy pasta which oh yeah yeah which is um, a place where people go and write it's like fandom stories isn't it really about That's right, yeah. they'll pick a location and they'll create some urban myth it's where um slender man, slender man sprung from that's it so that's it right. is a place where you know it's quite i mean it's creative it's where people go and write scary stories but they get taken out of context and a lot of people think they're true but there is a Deering Wood massacre um, Deering Woods is the woods that is very close to Pluckley Woods and as the story goes on the morning of November the 1st 1948 20 people from the local area were found dead 11 of them were children and the bodies actually formed a huge pile and they were found in the woods and no one knows how they got there or what happened and autopsies couldn't determine any cause of death and after a few weeks the local authorities ended the investigation but the the newspaper clipping um which state which covers the story um is completely fake just by looking at it um the price on it is one pence which the story was from 1948 so that's pre-decimalization so the uh yeah the paper wouldn't have been one pence and the actual photograph on there has got army people wearing russian uniforms so i don't know how many i don't know how many russian soldiers were walking around uh kent in the 1940s but the picture is obviously of something probably to do with the uh the holocaust i would have thought uh you know the Russians have gone into an area and found a section of or a town where all the all the locals have been um, killed and that's where the photograph comes from so it's very easy to discredit that particular story but that is one of the drawing stories that brings people to the forest if you go on YouTube and look at these groups of teenagers who go and make their own haunted like most haunted videos they always go looking for the site of this massacre which was completely fabricated which is a shame and it's not covered in the Usborne Book of Ghosts which means it's definitely not true definitely not true yeah that's the thing is these days I mean in those days we couldn't google it and when the Usborne Book of Ghosts come out the only information you had to go by was what was in that book you know you couldn't go in and google it or anything unless you were like a proper researcher you go to a library and look up you know old press cuttings or whatever in those days you just had it there and that was it and i suppose a lot of stuff these days it's it's easy to to find you know whether it's true or not yeah. often you know what i mean you can look it up you can find out whereas those days you couldn't you know you only had those books to go by but it's a good story i mean every area's got stories like that i think you know there's this there's, 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 there's places around here um there's burning beaches got a lot of creepy stories and um, about people dying and ghosts and witchcraft rituals and i found out that some of them are true i mean because of the internet you can research it can't you yeah um i found out that some of the some of the horrific stories were true i mean there's a woods around here there was a in the 60s supposed to be a, a, cov, a, cov, a coven there uh, and this bloke was like the, the high priest of this coven and he took um, a chalice of poison on midsummer's evening and drank it uh, and he died they took him to a nearby hospital called the Canadian Red Cross Hospital in the middle of the woods there's a hospital in the middle of nowhere it's very creepy in itself yeah. and they took him there and he died you know um, and it's a story around here that this is the tree where he died and, and we also go there at night and stuff like that and we thought it was a bit of an urban myth but it turned out that it was completely true I mean um, his name was Robert Cochran um, and, the, and they're called the Clan of Tubal 
cocaine is, is, is our column were called. And we found the whole thing to be true. Because um, I knew that there was some truth in it, but how much of it was true, I didn't know. But but looking at it now, there's research and newspaper articles, you can go online and Google him. It's true. So, yeah, so sometimes there's things that you think might be a bit exaggerated turn out to actually be very real, which, which is scarier, I suppose. Yeah. It's, I mean, when we, when I took the kids to Pluckley, we actually went to one of the places which is covered in, in, in the book, and that is the Black Horse Pub where there's actually a ghost of um meant to be a ghost of a little girl called jesse there and she's well yeah. known for like smashing pints and throwing things around the bar and hiding stuff so i took the boys in for a bit of a pub lunch and uh the landlady there was very friendly and she gave us a bit of a, a mini ghost tour which was really good so in the in the fireplace Brilliant. in the pub there's like um, obviously where the fire used to be there's soot marks on the wall where you can supposedly see reliefs of faces like a dog and one of the children and i said to her where is the most haunted part of the place you know where we're allowed to go and sort of have a drink and eat our dinner and she gave us the table where it was where the most activity was and the boys did not want to eat their dinner there at all we had to actually eat a whole meal by the door closest to the exit and they ate the whole meal petrified in case something happened even though it was there you know on one o'clock on a thursday afternoon it was like you know it wasn't sunny yeah. outside but it was daylight but the kids got such a scary vibe from the place that they wouldn't sit anywhere where this um where the activity was meant to be concentrated they just wanted to sit by the door and they bolted their dinner down usually they're quite leisurely when they eat their food you know they want to like play games on yeah. the on their ipads and that but i didn't take any of that they like the food came they bolted it down before i'd even finished mine they're like right let's go but the, yeah they do i think they do ghost walks around pluckley i think that's one of the main things it's famous for but i think on halloween it's actually you can't actually get to the village on halloween they cu- they cut the roads off because it attracts far too many people because of that it attracts too many undesirable characters as well who are trying to maybe cash in on the fact that it could be the most haunted village in the uk yeah i mean i mean every kid should have that experience of being actually terrified yeah. of a supernatural you know me you both had that you know i think that's 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 good parenting i think you know prepares for stuff later in life you know i think once you experience that i think other things don't scare you so much i think you have to go through that yeah um but it's exciting as well i mean i i, that, that, I mean that, that pub was there a weird vibe in there i mean did you pick up any weird feelings there or did it just feel like a normal pub i didn't know it felt like a normal it, it, it felt like a normal pub it's obviously an old pub and there was there was not there wasn't much atmosphere in there because it was a Thursday afternoon during what would normally be a school week, so it was very quiet. So it didn't feel like there was much atmosphere in there, and we got in there just as the pub opened. So yeah, it had that kind of empty pub feeling that you have. You know, the food was great, the the people in there were friendly. I didn't get any strange vibes. I do kind of pick up uh, on vibes of the places, but it didn't feel nothing felt sinister or strange about it although she did tell me that the ghosts of the children there had been abused by um, one of the by their father she kind of told me in an indirect way because obviously I had my children there as well so she kind of did the old sort of 65 year old woman miming uh, child abuse <laughs> if you can imagine what that is yeah a bit of the old you know <laughs> that type of stuff <laughs> Lionel Blair do that and give us a clue you know what I mean <laughs> yeah, yeah. I kind of got the idea what she was after um, but yeah, oh, there, yeah. Was no, there was no bad vibe there it was nice you know we had a great time and we drove back and the kids loved it uh, they felt you know I don't think many parents at my kids school 
would have taken him to the most haunted uh, village in the UK and given them a bit of a scare for the day. So it's good to have a scare, I think. I mean, that's why people watch horror films. You know, they like to be scared. I think that's the connection as well with um, with the Isle of Wight we were talking about earlier because it was one of the places where you go as a kid and for me, I'd always go to this bookshop and I'd always buy a book on the paranormal probably the first day we arrived in the Isle of Wight. So then I'd go back to the, you know, the, the holiday cottage that we'd let and I'd spend the whole seven days reading fucking stories that were going to scare the shit out of me mainly because I was reading these books and main, obviously because of things like Braiding Waxwork Museum. Oh, yes. <laughs> Which we covered before. That's, a, that's a, definitely an iconic place for anybody growing up in the 70s who went the other way. That's something unforgettable, isn't it, of course? It is, it is. I mean, if you go back there now, there's nothing there apart from a really small museum that documents the place. It's got a few little artefacts in there that, you know, like old badges from the gift shop. I think that's gone now. I think I read somewhere that that's gone uh, last year. Has that gone as well? I took a lot I of photographs so. in there as well. You know, like the, you know, the waxwork museum sign that it had. It was like a yeah. bat, wasn't it, with That's waxworks right. written on it. I took loads of photographs of that because I just, I really like the logo. It's such a cool logo. It's I think great, it's, pub- yeah. it's got to be public domain as well. I don't think anyone want, would ever do anything with. You know, it'd be great. You could just make badges out of it or stickers or anything. It's just such a cool logo. It is. I mean, I remember. I remember the last time I went there was probably before it closed. I mean, it closed about two thousand six, didn't it? I think and uh, I went there 2003 uh, and, and I remember going in this little cafe at the end and and, I, and they served the chips and that in a little, little cardboard coffin which was brilliant you know <laughs> the last time I went there but uh, it was exactly the same I mean I went there first the braiding in, in the 70s we were staying at Pontins Little Canada was like a Pontins holiday camp they had loads of trees there so they called Little Canada um, and they had day trips out one was to you know Robin Hill where it's like a, a nature park and the other was to the waxworks and I thought it was going to be like Madame Tussauds I was going to be all like you know the Queen and you know, whoever celebrities at the time, I know Jimmy Savile or, or whatever, you know. Um, but we went there and it's all this horrific, violent um, waxworks and, and, and then a display of shrunken heads and torture devices. And when I went back in 2003, it's exactly the same. It hadn't changed at all. Not one bit, not one new exhibit, um, which is what I liked about it, really. If I could go back in time, it would be back to the 80s, I think. And I would go to yeah. the Braiding Waxwork Museum every year as my as my little trip. <laughs> Oh it's, yeah, it's really sad. It's one of those things I really wish I could have taken the kids to, and you know, like a, a father passing an experience down to his children. The Braiding Waxwork yes. Museum for me would ensure that your kids set off on the right track as a child. I think the parents who won't let their kids watch Harry Potter or Scooby Doo, if they took their kids to the Braiding Waxwork Museum, I think they'd probably have post-traumatic stress disorder disorder for the rest of their lives. <laughs> I know. I mean, it did. My, my head. There's two things. I mean, obviously, the, the, I mean, the, the thing, the that shrunken head there, really sort of uh, triggered a lot for me because it, it, it was real. And all, the other thing was that mask they used to wear for the witch burnings. You know, the witches have wear this big mask um, in Germany. It was German, I think it was, wasn't it? And uh, it's really the witches' idol mask or something, which they supposedly yeah. put oh, on wow. witches as they were pulled along in a cart to the, the place of execution. Um, however, from a, a reliable source, I've been told it was actually made of fiberglass. Really? Yeah. I don't oh, know how no. true that that's is or not, but yeah, supposedly it was made of fiberglass. Oh, that's, that, that's very disappointing, isn't it, John? The shrunken head was real. I do believe that was real. I, I won't have it. That just looked so real when I saw that shrunken head there. The eyes sewn up. But I actually put a bid in on uh, the witch's mask. Um, I put in a bid for £2,000 on it. And uh, I'm pretty glad I didn't win it if it was made of fiberglass. No, exactly. You felt right with it. When you got it home, hang on a minute. It should be wooden. Looked, looked wooden. It looked wooden to me. It looked very st- sturdy, actually. Yeah. I mean, maybe it was. I don't know. It's, uh, it's, uh, 
Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Maybe maybe someone's trying to make you feel better about not winning the bid. You know what I mean? Maybe someone's just trying to help you there and say, eh, "Don't worry, it's a load of rubbish anyway, mate." Yeah. Maybe maybe trying maybe trying to, to ease you. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? But I suppose the nearest place you you got now, I mean, now that's gone, unfortunately. So, uh, you got the Witchcraft Museum in Boscastle in Cornwall, which is the nearest thing, I'd say, to um, to, to, to uh, braiding. Yeah, the only other museum I can think of that has the same impact or would have the same impact today as the Boscastle and Braiding Waxmerk Museum is Little Dean Jail in the Forest of Dean. Oh, have you yes. heard about that place? Oh, yes, they've got some great stuff there, haven't they? They have got uh, Jimmy Savile's tracksuit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that in itself is scary enough. Well, uh, do you know what happened when he died? There was an auction of all his stuff, and and that's, that's probably where they got it from. There was an auction of his tracksuit, all his jewellery, and his chair, and all that. There was a big auction um, of all of his uh, personal effects. So that's probably that probably is genuine. It's probably where they got it from, you know. Yeah, there's a TV show called Dark Tourism, and the guy goes there um, and has a look round, and the the curator of the museum has got loads of like action men figures and made dioramas of ho- of the holocaust of, oh, like, yeah. of germans um killing people and putting them in pits and he's got i mean you'll be more of an expert on this but he's got a lot of fred west memorabilia that's right he's got what he claims his tie one of his ties you know them, them 70s kipper ties that he wears in the photographs yeah um he's got one of those and he's also got a copy of the sun newspaper next to it where it's got like a picture of fred and rose in the front and fred's wearing the same tie it looks like the same tie so it does look very genuine and he's got his toolbox apparently in there yeah and his work so boots got- as well he's got fred west's yeah. tools and his yeah and his toolbox as well yeah, so I mean, he's got he's got all sorts of unusual, weird stuff in there. I mean, it's anything to do with crime, isn't it? And some of it's quite macabre stuff. It's got cr- stuff from the Cray Twins in there, isn't it? Yeah. Um, he's got Holocaust stuff and Nazi stuff, Ku Klux Klan, all that kind of stuff in there. And the weirdest thing, if you look at the museum, he's got all this gruesome stuff. And in the middle of it, there's, a, there's an exhibition about quadrophenia and with a picture of the Who. I suppose Pete Townsend is a sort of, you know, he goes into that sort of creepy level, I suppose, as well. And scooters and stuff like that. They had a quadrophenia um, anniversary thing, and it was at Little Dean Jail. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's odd to have that in the mid- middle of it. It's just crazy. And it's in amongst quite all those swastikas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Swastikas <laughs> and serial killers' tools, and then uh, yeah, a picture of Pete Towns in there. But I suppose he, you know, he's been a, a naughty boy on the internet, so I suppose he does fit in with the whole Savile kind of thing. Oh, well. that was research. According to Peter, his book, his book, <laughs> yeah. his book that never came. You know what I mean? <laughs> Internet enthusiast and guitarist. But uh, yeah, it's, that's a great uh, museum. I mean, that, those sort of things. You know, I mean, I, I like to believe that the stuff in there is genuine, or most of it is genuine. Um, but they are fascinating. Seeing something, many things macabre is much more interesting than just looking at something from two thousand years ago. You know, if it's something that's got a horrible history to it. A friend of mine was trained to be a copper, and he went to the. Um, he went to the Black Museum because they open some of it to the public sometimes but part of his training they went to the Black Museum and he says some of the stuff in there was mind-blowing and and you know the stuff in that museum is 100% real because it's evidence that they've actually uh, got isn't, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it stuff is. from the craze and, and that kind of stuff so yeah and that, that, I suppose that, if that museum was open to the public I think it would be very busy the um, Black Museum. Yeah but I think Little Dean Little Dean Jail that's one of the places on my places to go before i die it's on my bucket list i just want to go and experience it i'll probably come out feeling quite empty on the inside i feel <laughs> yeah definitely it does look bizarre i mean it, it's strange even though it's, it looks strangely entertaining as well um the stuff that he's got in there i mean there's, there's people like criminals around today there's letters from murray hindley in there charles bronson and, and personal effects and other cray twins 
Peter Sutcliffe. It's got them all in there, all, all, the, all the famous ones. Yeah. You know, um, I suppose like it's going to a rock and roll museum and they've got the Beatles and Elvis in there. Do you know what I mean? It's got it's got them all. But some of, some of the stuff in there, it's, 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 it does sort of things that are themed. You know, so, so he tries to get in on the public um, interest. So he's got a Peaky Blinders thing at the moment on there, apparently. Yeah, yeah. It's aimed at, it looks like it's aimed at a certain demographic as well. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of Nazi stuff, a lot of SAS stuff, special forces, and quadrophenia. So I'm thinking maybe right wingers who have got the SAS survival handbook at home on the shelf who also like listening to the Who. <laughs> Would Nazi find mods. <laughs> Nazi mods. <laughs> They'd find it the perfect place for the holiday. But it's, oh, definitely. It's just situated in the middle of the woods, though, in the middle of a bloody forest. Exactly, yeah. A friend of mine lives down that way, down near Bristol, and he's been there, and he's, he, he, he's it's crazy. It's, 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 it's probably a day out. Uh, but you see, it's just mad the stuff they've got in there. It's just, it's, it's mind There's so much of it. It's, it's not just like a few bits and pieces. There's a lot. It's crammed. It's, it's like the illustrations in the the Osborne Book of Ghosts. It's just crammed, and it's like you, it, your mind's just spinning it's an when you're out of it. An assault on the senses. It's an assault, on the, <laughs> assault on the senses, definitely. Yeah, but it sounds to me there's, there's not enough places like that, you know, anymore. I, don't, I think I think because of this culture we live in, where everything's got to be sanitised and not scary and safe spaces and all that, um, you miss out these things that have. The morbid curiosity, I suppose you could describe it as. I'm surprised it's still there. I am. Someone's actually shut it down. When the, I tell you what, in London, don't you have the Jack the Ripper Museum that opened in London? Yeah, I remember when it opened, but uh, is it still open? It is still open, uh, and and he's got he's got re- reconstructions of it. I mean, I don't think as as a museum, I don't think he's got anything in there which would be classified as a genuine item. You know what I mean? Like his knife or something like that. You know. Um, but what it is is, I think he's recreated rooms with like the the, the murders and, and that kind of stuff, and he's got reprints of newspapers and stuff like that. From what I gather, um, but at the time there was uh, a lot of protesters about. It. There were feminist protesters saying it, it was it's um, glorifying the the mistreatment of women. They basically were saying, well, it's a factual thing that happened. Whether it wasn't really glorifying. It, but you could buy. I think you could buy T-shirts and things there and stuff like that. But um, but there's a lot of protest outside and saying it should be shut down. But I think that it didn't last for long. I think that it, it's doing quite well. Um, you know, obviously tourists in London. Jack the Ripper is a big thing. If you're an American tourist, you would think Jack the Ripper, East London, you'd go there. Um, I'm sure a lot of people would. And uh, yeah, it's, it's done very well. Still there apparently. But um, huh. what he's got in there, um, I, he wouldn't have any of the dear boss letters or anything like that, would he? Because because uh, they're with the no, they're, they're in the black, black museum. Museums. Black museum, yeah. I mean, maybe we should because the Usborne Book of Ghosts was it was actually p- petitioned for a reprint, wasn't it originally? Yes. Uh, maybe we should approach Usborne and see if they'll do um, the Usborne Book of Little Dean Jail. <laughs> For children. Yes. <laughs> well, we could write it ourselves and send it to them and say, would you want to bring out a new one? We've got this together. You know what I mean? Yeah, heavily um, illustrated yeah. with lots of little, little little sound bites all about Ronnie Cray, Jimmy Savile, Rolf Harris's wobble board, all these different yeah. things that are in <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> the Museum of Nonsery, you know what I mean? Gary Glitter's uh, shoulder pads you could have in there, Savile's tracksuit, yeah, wobble board in there, didgeridoo, could have it all in there. Pete Townsend's guitar, yeah. Michael Jackson's glove. Lots of swastikas in it. <laughs> yeah. it seems to be one of the themes that's, that's there. Tour- yeah, that's that's that's, that's a proper tourist attraction. You know, I, I, I suppose it's like a, a macabre Disneyland, isn't it? Really, it is. Yeah. Now, if, if anyone's got access to Netflix, I think Dark Tourism is actually on Netflix. You can actually go and watch the episode, and it's in it's the UK episode. So he goes to the War and Peace show, which is in Paddock Wood, where I live, <laughs> where <laughs> once a year, every it's the biggest. 
um, war and peace show in the whole of Europe. I think it's in the whole of the world, I think, possibly. But you know, tanks yeah. and people from all over Europe come. And, you know, you'll go down Paddockwood High Street and there'll be a guy in a, in a Panzer tank in a SS outfit going down the street with his Tesco bags with loads of stuff for his barbecue and he goes and asks these guys why do you dress up as you know SS officers at the weekend and that their reasoning behind it is a little bit vague I've got to you know I'll give them that it, it's not they say oh yeah they, they always use the clause that they say ah but not every Nazi not every German soldier was a Nazi which is true yeah however given the stuff they were responsible for would you choose to spend your weekends dressed as an SS officer living in a tent shooting at people who are dressed as American soldiers or English soldiers I just find that a little bit strange I mean I've I've done some strange things in my time but that one would that's a, an area I would never venture into yeah it's sort of like it doesn't they it's like saying would you dress up in a silver tracksuit and a cigar you know it, it's like you wouldn't do it do you know what I mean it's like a, it's strange I mean they must be into the whole uniform the Nazi thing to do that you know it's uh, you wouldn't choose to be that would you I think I think you know a lot of the people pushed into it in in, in the 40s but and, and had to go along with it but I think to actually choose to do it now there's definitely got to be a weird edge to it to be that fascinated or that into it yeah. I think It'd be like going to a, yeah. a, a serial killer convention and wanting to dress as Fred West. Yeah, well, funny, I did see a video it's on YouTube. This couple dressed up Halloween as Fred and Rose, and they did the first nation of it. It's on YouTube, and it's they look like them, but they sound like them. It's the, it's and it's a brilliant fancy dress. You know what I mean? So there is an element of that. I suppose people do. I mean, I mean, the thing is, if we're doing that, you're doing it for a laugh. But these Nazis are these. They're not doing it for a laugh, are they? They're, I mean, like uh, what's his name? Um, Oh, the comedian that died, uh, Freddie Starr, he dressed up as Hitler, didn't he? And and, um, and Spike Milligan and people like that. And they did it for a laugh. They were they were taking the Mickey out of him. Whereas these people were very serious about it. They are. You know, so, so if you dressed up as, as Peter Sutcliffe and you were serious about it, I think you'd be pulled in by the police and your hard drive looked at. You know. Um, <laughs> but I think you know if, if you're doing it for a laugh, I think you can get away with it. If it's humour, but there's no humour with these people. They seem to be very into this dressing up as. He's deadly serious. Movie. I mean, I have been to the War and Peace show. You know, you walk through with your kids. The boys have got an ice cream. I'm walking along, and you go through re constructions like they're just acting out living in a german camp when it's downtime and we had a german au pair at the time and she didn't believe that this sort of thing happened so i got a picture of the boys both of them stood there with an ice cream with two german soldiers with like you know the the big bren gun things they've got with nazi flags yeah. stood either side and i sent it to her and she was just like shocked completely shocked just like oh my god and she says, were they German? I said, no, they're English. <laughs> I think that's the, the strangest that's thing about weirder, it. isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It I is mean, odd. I suppose it's historically accurate and whatever, but they seem to relish it too much, some of these people. It's like, like little Dean Jow. There seems to be a fascination. I suppose a fascination for the baddies or fascination for macabre things. It seems to be there. And, and it seems to be going well, but it's, still, it's been going for a few years now, hasn't it? Oh, yes, it's been open for donkey's years. I don't know the actual date it opened, but I remember going to Little Dean, well back before my eldest son was born so 20 years ago i'm pretty sure little dean jail was open then i don't know if it had the the same museum as what it's got now but it's been open as a tourist attraction for a long time yeah it's a lot i mean the stuff that i mean i don't know is it a particularly english thing to be interested in macabre stuff you know i mean i, I, I know that there is some degree of that but i think english are worse at it aren't we you know if, if like uh, i mean if you drive through gloucester and someone said fred west's house is there most people pull their car out and have a look where it was you know i think english people tend to be fascinated by that kind of thing 
um, it's, it's, it's the thrill of it, I think, of going somewhere to see where you're picking it, how it feels to, to be there, I suppose. Yeah. Um, there, there'd be a lot, there, there's a lot of these, I, I remember going on one of these gangland tours in, in um, with Mad Frankie Fraser, you know, who was like, uh, he used to pull people's teeth out of pliers for the Richardson Brothers, the crazy was that, was that a gangbang uh, tour or a gangland it, tour? It could have been both. <laughs> it could have been both. But I didn't stay, I didn't stay right to the, the, the last part, so it could have got worse. But uh, he took you around this open top bus and he gave you stories. See that concrete bridge over there? There's a geezer buried there. We, you know, we did this and the other to him. He's buried in that mark over there. There's three blokes. It's that kind of thing. And they took the house where, you know, um, where, where the George Cornell... Uh, sorry, uh, Jack the Hat was stabbed and the pub, you know, the, the blind beggar. It took you all around Gangland. This is where the craze grew up and this is where some geezer got stabbed down there and buried over. And it's all that sort of stuff. And, and it was packed when I went on it, you know. Um, so I, I assumed that it, it was it did good business because people were very into that sort of stuff. Mm. I mean, when I first moved to Kent, I sold our lawnmower and this like guy came round and it was a proper cockney geezer he looked just like bob hoskins and i sold him this lawnmower and i i started telling him like i was ex-forces and i worked in london in forensics and all that and he was telling me all about when he worked in a gang in london and it was on about the village next village along which is called five oaks green and there used to be an old isolation hospital there which has now been knocked down but he says when they knocked it down before they built houses on it London gangs used to take the bodies of people they killed down there and bury them in all the rubble because they it was getting re- redeveloped. I know. Yeah, so he says there's loads. He said he chopped someone up with an axe, and this is I've never. <laughs> this is the first time I met him. He basically said to me, he "Goes, yeah, this guy, this guy grasped on me, so I went at him with a chopper. Is now underneath." <laughs> He goes. Is now and is now in is now in Five Oaks Green under a load of houses, and it's like shit. So I almost gave him the lawnmower at the end of it. I was like, no, I don't need your money, mate. But mate, uh, he, he paid me for it. <laughs> And he, it was a bit weird. He kept kind of contacting me, asking if I'd give his daughter um, work experience because she wanted to be a, an artist. So she actually came round the house. I felt like I needed to let her come round. I didn't want to turn him down. And she came round, and she was like caked in makeup. She, you know, she was no way arty at all. And I said so why do you want to go to art college she goes I don't I want to be an aerostess and I was like well what are you doing round here she goes my dad wants me to be an artist and I said so you don't so he doesn't want you to be an aerostess he went no she goes no so you know I sat I chatted to her for half an hour and then just said, said no and then you know he sent me a text saying how did it go with my daughter and I said oh, she's not really into it to be honest I said she wants to be an aerostess you know he just never replied Bloody hell. But I did bolt the gate for the next week. I was expecting like a little man with no air and an axe to come back for me. But um Yeah, that was the in the first few few weeks of moving into Kent, that was one of the first experiences I had of the locals. Quite like yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Right. Go, going back to Fred West, um yeah. if we did a show later on, haven't you got a, a special guest? Don't without giving too much away. Yeah. We've got we've got a special it, guest we could have on, haven't we? Yes, I have, and who who has who's got a very interesting story about Rose Rose herself. <laughs> it can only be one story if it's about Rose. <laughs> well, yeah, it is. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I spoke to him before, and I said to him, "Would you come on about it and and, and be on the podcast?" And he said, "Yeah." So I'll, I'll get in touch with him again and uh, and get him on the show because that'd be very interesting. Very interesting, macabre little towel. Yeah, I think iTunes would definitely have to put a uh, adult viewing or adult listeners only for that show. <laughs> definitely, yeah. Depends how much depth he's going to go into. 
I mean, yeah. I mean, he was quite detailed when he spoke to me about it. He told me everything, you know. Um, but it's got, yeah, it's quite amazing, really. I, I mean, something like, like that's going to blow your mind, isn't it? So I think it's coming from his mouth, I think it'll be the best way. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the best way let him let him tell the story as it is. And I think we'd have to put an eighteen on that, but um, but that would be fantastic. We'll get him on the show. Yeah, we'll have to see if we can arrange a Skype call and get that one recorded because that would yeah. be uh, definitely I'll a world him, exclusive. Yeah. Oh, definitely, yeah. And he's up for it. I mean, I mean, it's, 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 I think at the time uh, after it happened, you know, um, he didn't want to talk about it much, but but nowadays he seems to be quite okay with it and uh, and jokes about it. So we, we get him on there, and uh, yeah, it's good good story, a very good tale. Yeah. Yeah. So, what else have you been up to, Freddie, over the last few weeks? I know you're definitely one of the the people who aren't allowed for the next twelve weeks. So, how you been entertaining yourself? Well, um, I've just been listening to lots of music, reading lots of books, but also because I do radio shows. Um, usually, we go to the st- some are pre-recorded, but I do some from studios, nearby studio. But they've actually set me up to, to broadcast at home. Um, so I can broadcast from my own, my own living room. So I'm doing radio shows on a Saturday night where I'm playing just cocktail East listening music and Sunday nights, um, my usual sort of show. So we did it weekly, two shows every week. So um, that's kind of occupying me a little bit. You know, well, I can't go out and do stuff. At least I can do that. But I've been reading lots and lots of books and listening to an awful lot of music. So And watching a few things as well. So we're watching uh, a few uh, TV things and, and DVDs and stuff like that. So uh, mainly, mainly retro comedy and that kind of stuff. Good, good. I watched a film last night actually, uh, and it was absolute. I can give it the the Dan Bain's movie movie review in one word, yeah, which was it. it was shit. Gretel and Hansel. Have you heard of that one? Oh, uh, yeah, I saw it, and I, I thought it's on Amazon Prime. I think I did see it come up, and I thought should I watch that or not? But it sounded a bit. Mm. It was the. It's, it's, obviously the take on the Hansel and Gretel story but they've made it different by just switching the characters around in the title uh, and in effect it, without ruining it for anyone put it this way uh, there are spoilers alert in this kind of mini review but yeah. if you have got a spare hour and a half I'd probably go and creosote the fence or something because it is it is pretty <laughs> pretty terrible the production quality is just awful it's it's like watching a uh, an hour and 30 minute Marilyn Manson music video Oh no! If that's possible, that sounds absolutely. That sounds horrendous. Yeah. Yeah, but it's the same story. It's the it's the brothers grim tale. You know, the mum kicks them out. Hansel and Gretel go through the woods. They find a witch's house, uh, and all it turns out is that the witch is actually there to turn Gretel into another witch. But in order to make her a witch, she has to eat a, eat a brother, and that's the, that's the base. That's the bulk of the story, really. <sighs> weak, isn't it? I mean, I mean, I, I find it. I struggle to find things to watch on things like uh, Netflix. I know everyone goes about Netflix being great, but I find that it, it, there's, there's two types of things on there: either children or cretins. And I've I looked at the films on there, and they're always the sort. Of, you know, when you go to ASDA and you see a film which you've never heard of, and it's five pounds. Yeah. And you think, oh, the, the cover's really brilliant artwork on it. You think, oh, that's great. Five pounds worth a chance. Oh, it was a horror, horror film set in a, a abandoned, you know, a lunatic asylum. Oh, that sounds great. You get it home, it's like filming on someone's phone and it's really crap acting. Um, most of the stuff on Netflix, the films tend to be like those sort of ones um, that are found. They're really cheap, badly acted, badly directed stuff you'd yeah. buy after for a fiver and wish you right. hadn't spent. So it's hard to find something good. It is. Well, Gretel and Hansel wasn't, to be fair, wasn't on Netflix. However,. You know, it's got a it's got a good actress in it, Sophia Lilith, who was in the new It film. So she's a good actress, but just yeah. the, the the camera work and the the actual acting, like 
Hansel, the actor, is is diabolical. I mean, I know he's only meant to be like an eight-year-old kid, but the acting was just abysmal. The witch was okay, but as a whole, it was it was just painful to watch, and uh, I wouldn't recommend anybody going to see it if you get the opportunity. No, I'd waste your hour and a half of isolation time doing something else. <laughs> so it's our, 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 you know, of life wasted. You can do so much more productive. I, mean, I did watch that. I'll tell you what I did watch, actually. I don't know if you've seen it. It's that new Child's Play one they've done. The new Child's Play? Yeah. I've not seen that, no. Okay, it's a bit of a reboot. I mean, it's different in the sense that, you know, in the original one, he's a serial killer who transfers to a doll, his spirit. Yeah. This one is like a bloke, he reprograms the dolls at the factory so they've got personalities and they can learn from people. Um, but they're very clingy. Basically, it becomes very, the boy buys it, his mum buys it for him. It's very clingy to him, protects him. So somebody's, you know, is not his friend. He goes and kills them and he learns from other people. So if kids are being aggressive or violent, he learns from them. Um, so it's got a bit of a twist in that respect. It was actually, all, it was, Entertaining, I'd say. Um, the first half of first half of it was okay. The f- last half, last part of it is, is crazy. Uh, yeah. It just goes like some films just they're quite sedate and it goes bonkers. And this this does go bonkers. In the last last act, I suppose they call it. Um, but the actual Chucky doll itself is CGI'd rather than an actual doll, um, which always makes it less creepy. I think. Yeah, it looks like it looks like something from a computer game, you know. Whereas the original, when it's like Star Wars, when these original Star Wars, these models, it looks brilliant. When it's the CGI effects, it looks a bit unreal. You know what I mean? A bit uncanny fake, valley. You know? Yeah, you can just tell. Uncanny valley. That's it. Yeah, you can yeah. tell. Yeah. Without, I mean, that does. It does sound like you did get it from Asda for five pounds, though. That one. Yeah, I mean, it's well done. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's budget wise, you know. But it, it, it's it's if, if you it's worth a watch. It's not awful. Um, I mean, it's not as good as the original Charles play, but it's it's okay. It's got some good gruesome moments in it. If you like watching uh, horror films that have got a bit of violence in them, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's based based on technology. It's it's really sort of parodying, I suppose, the modern reliance on technology and stuff like that. I mean, one scene I'll spoil is how they kill someone. They've got an automatic car with no driver in it, and you, this woman gets in this car and it's saying, "Where do you want to go?" and all this kind of stuff, and it ends up the car goes haywire. Um, that sort of stuff in it. So yeah, it's it's worth a watch. I'd say. Yeah, so two mini movie reviews. So we're not done bad this set for yeah. episode. For an hour episode, we've squeezed in a book review, a couple of film reviews, a discussion on uh, strange locations to visit if you get the opportunity once the lockdown ends. So we've squeezed yeah. quite a lot in. So we don't need Me- to do three-hour shows yeah, museums. anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, museums. Cram it all in. <laughs> I think it's like we're, the, we're like the um, other version of the Twilight Zone. The Twilight Zone started out as half an hour and it went to like 45 minutes. Yeah, you know, we've gone from three hours to 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 one hour. You know what I mean? So it's kind of that other way around, isn't it? Yeah, and we're not as we're not as fit as what we used to be when we filmed the first shows. I don't think I could go on for three hours anymore. Exactly. Yeah, we we, we need a nap in, between, in the middle or something like that. Yeah, I need like some Viagra for my tongue or something <laughs> <laughs> to keep it going. Exactly. Yeah. I don't but tell my wife that. <laughs> we've crammed a lot in an hour though that's the thing is there's so much to talk about you know um, but yeah we, 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 cover, we cover it all we're, we're value we're value even though it's even though the show's free to listen to it's value for money it is it is and I think the, well, the last show was three weeks ago because we did it at the beginning of the first lockdown phase didn't we so that's right yeah we decided to do a second show at the beginning of the next lockdown phase so why don't you say we get back together in another three weeks and uh, take it from there and see if we can knock another show out Definitely, yeah. Plenty to talk about. There's plenty to plenty to talk about, and we'll, uh, yeah. I think for each time we'll have more exciting things we can cover. We sure will. So I think for now we're going to knock it on the head, and hopefully everyone out there stays safe and well and survives another three weeks. And we'll speak to you again soon. 
Yep, stay indoors, everybody, and be safer. We shall be back.